There's a raffle. Every day, though, the ones who enhance the flow. You know them Bruce Lee roars and possess the glow. Yo, you're the last dragon, so you're good to go. You're giving back to the world or why you're crushing your goal. See, you ain't got to see it. You can just be it. You're the street's hope. Yeah, God told me you're dope. And you're here just to give us some pearls. We appreciate that so we can share with the world. See, you ain't got to see it. You can just be it. You're the street's hope. Yeah, God told me you're dope. Dope to dope to dope. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to Everyday Dope, the podcast about dope people who do dope things. And when do they do these dope things? Well, quite frankly, they do them every day. I'm your host, Mr. Sheffield. Today's guest is going to be Dr. Kanika Bell. She cares about the mental health of black folks. She's a professor at Clark Atlanta University, and she has her own special way of doing self-therapy. How in the world are you this afternoon? Mm-hmm. I'm doing excellent. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for inviting me. Why wouldn't you be invited? Don't you think you're dope? Um, I guess until you said it and you and you were like, what does dope mean? I, I was like, well, maybe I am. Maybe you are. Maybe I should be walking around saying I'm dope. <laughs> well, you got you to gotta have the confidence. So, you know, let's ask that question then. We ask everybody the same question. What's your definition of dope? I feel like somebody who is dope. Let's let's stick it up, let's stick it to a person, right? So, somebody who is dope is someone who is absolutely living out their purpose. Like they are doing whatever it is they're doing, they're giving it their one hundred percent, and it makes other people notice. You know, like when you turn around, you're like, "That's dope." Uh-huh. You don't look at regular cars and say that's dope. You don't look at regular dresses and like that's dope. So I can't look at a Honda Accord and be like, "That's dope." It depends on what you do to the Honda Accord. It depends. It depends on how you lay out the Honda Accord. That's my exact point. Yes, you can have a Honda Accord and you can make it dope. I think that any. I love the concept even of everyday dope because there are things that are just absolutely amazing in our purview and just kind of existing in our milieu every day. We're just not calling them dope. We're calling that regular. We're calling that regular. Yeah. Miracles Absolutely. happen every single time we wake up and go outside. Miracles happen when you talk to people and get enlightened. I mean, you know, we are constantly being reminded about dope things. We just don't call it that. We just don't call it that. And one of the things I thought about um, when I thought about doing this podcast was, you know, I could have just called people and said, you know what, you know, I think you're a dope individual. But then I, that was kind of lame. I wanted everybody to know, right? And so when you say that, Dopeness is a, about a person who's living out their purpose. How in the world do you think someone finds their purpose? You know, I feel like you probably know it within the first, like, five years of your life. Whoa. <clears throat> I do. I think that in, as a little child, you probably start to gravitate toward a thing. It's whether or not your village was invested in developing that thing. Or did they thwart it? So what's your purpose? Um, I have always been interested in people. I love people, Mm -hmm. just like humans. When I hear people say, I don't like people, I'm like, are you kidding? People are my favorite thing. I mean, I love just, like, people peopling is my favorite thing. People so raggedy, though. Why? Oh, my God, they're not raggedy. They're wonderful. (laughs) They're not You know, beautifully flawed, right? I love folks. I just do. I just love, love people and how just, like, peoplehood and how they move and how they interact. And so as... A child, because I like to talk a lot, I was just an only child and, mm-hmm. you know, came from 
egalitarian parents who are just like, yes, woman, child, you may speak. Um, so I, many people thought I should be like an attorney because I like to argue and I like to debate. <laughs> I like to pull out unnecessary vocabulary. And so I, but I, when I discovered psychology, I really was, and I'm saying a very young child, I was like, this is the, what I want to do. When I was a little girl, I said, I wish I could have a big building and people could come and get everything they needed to feel better in the building. In one place. Right? And, I've, and I actually kind of have pulled that off. Okay. You know, I'm actually, I'm doing You're just doing that. that. I have a building where people come in, kids can come, you know what I mean? And, like, people can come and feel better when they leave. Because I think we all need to get better mentally or emotionally and spiritually. And that's why I think that you're dope, because you carved out a place for us all to do that. Now, you do have a PhD, right? Mm -hmm. So five years old, you decided, you know, I'm going to be a doctor one day. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> like, but I thought, I didn't know what that meant. I meant, like, just, I'm going to put a white coat on. I don't know. I'm just going to be a doctor. So what's the, like, what's the <laughs> subject matter of your doctorate? So well, my PhD is in clinical psychology. And actually, I didn't enter college thinking that's what I would do. I thought I was going to go to medical school because on television, people who I saw in kind of mental health were always psychiatrists. Right. And so I just thought that was that was the route. And I actually took a class called clinical psychology and was like, Eureka, this is where I, <laughs> I have to found go. It. I found it. And Dr. Adrian Bradford, she just recently, she was a, a chief psychologist, I think, for, for the city of Atlanta. And so she's just, she's just now retiring from that position. But she was the teacher of that class. And I... I remember saying to her, I'm going to be you when I grow up. And she was like, mm -hmm. And at what age was this? This was when I first started college. I mean, you know, okay. this was in college sometime, like 18, 19. 18, mm -hmm. So I, I said that to her. She helped me um, kind of get my graduate school application stuff together. We are still in contact. She still um, sends uh, clients my way. And I did grow up and become her. She was a professor at Clark. I became a professor at Clark. Um, she does clinical and forensic work. I do clinical and forensic work. I mean, I just literally. That was your mentor. Like, that's the person mm -hmm. you modeled. So yeah. what does it look like to be a professor at Clark? Are you a professor of psychology? Like, for me, all I know is Pavlov's dog. <laughs> <laughs> you ring the bell, <laughs> he salivates, you know what I'm saying? You ring the bell, I want that's a, you. You show me gummy bears? Of, you know, that's a, that's a good amount of knowledge, actually, right there. That's, that's the root, that people do things because they associate, I mean, you know, conditioning pretty They're much conditioned rules. and motivated yeah, by certain I mean, things. Conditioning probably rules most of the things we see people do out here. Um, so, yeah, I'm a professor of psychology. I'm associate professor in the psychology department at Clark Atlanta University. And um, I teach more clinically and forensic oriented classes. So I teach a class in forensic psych. I teach a testing class. I teach um, uh, black women's mental health. I teach uh, cross-cultural psychology. So I've kind of gotten to the place I've been there 15 years where I can kind of teach to the classes that are in my interest area. Right. So are the, your students, are they... Freshmen, grad school, like where Most are they of my in their studies? Are juniors and seniors. That's my sweet spot. You like those folks? I like that. I like that age. And why is that? Mm -hmm. You know, I do think it. Like, there's something about teaching people who went to prom like three months ago. I mean, you know, when they're freshmen, it's like a totally different. Because you're doing more. You have to. You have to have more boundaries when they're freshmen, which I get. You know, you have to. Be, you have to kind of follow after them a bit because they're coming from high school. Um, and then it's sophomore year. I'm not exactly sure. By junior and senior year, they. They're taking my classes because they're interested right. in something that I'm doing. Um, they're interested in, they're either interested in pursuing a career in that arena or they are at least exploring it. And so there's a different level of interest. And then I think by the time they're in graduate school, we already know you're interested in it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you kind of owe me your attention because you're in graduate school. Everybody in graduate school shows up and does all the work. 
You know, there's no. <laughs> of course they do, because you're in grad You've school. You've decided to be there, and you're paying to be there. Right. Yeah, yeah, so but that junior and senior year, when you see students like really looking at you, like I am really listening and understanding and care about what you're saying. Like so, that's a that's a good that's a good teaching area. I like that spot. So if I get a degree in psychology, mm-hmm. like what what career waits for me? A bachelor's degree in psychology. No, I want to be Dr. Kanika. Okay, because <laughs> a bachelor's degree, there are there are jobs certainly at the bachelor's level. Yeah, let's level. start at the bachelor's level. Um, you can do, it depends on what you what you kind of prepared yourself for. So bachelor's level, more clinically oriented, you know, kind of hands-on jobs are often in like inpatient hospitals or in-home therapy, those kinds of things. You can't be licensed at the bachelor's level, right, oh. in, a, as a psych, in psychology. You also cannot be licensed in psychology at the master's level. A psychologist by name is a doctor, right? So what a lot of students will do when they get a bachelor's in psychology is they might get a master's in counseling or a master's in social work. Those uh, are licensable at the master's so that's level. That's why you so see you all could, those folks at the middle school. You could practice, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. so you practice at that level because you have a license. But if you're calling yourself psychologist, a, a person using the term psychologist, that means they have a doctor. So you are a doctor. Right. And I now, have to. Now, I heard you say something about one of the classes that you teach at, at Clark about black women's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you think that there's a stigma on therapy in the black community? I think there has been for a long time. I will say it's getting better. Think it's changing? I do think it's changing. I definitely think it's changing. Um, you know, at my practice, there's maybe about 15 folks working there and we're all filled with folks we, we see you um, have 15 people, people at your practice so, somewhere between 14 and 15 people in the building wow. seeing folks and i and we all are seeing um african-american clients almost exclusively wow. so it is i do think there's some shift um in what do you think what i causing think, that shift you know i think what we're we're expanding our idea of what it means to be healthy mm-hmm. you know I, I think i would hope people wouldn't just kind of sit there and wait until they have a heart attack no, to I, take care of their bodies I, 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 or, you know, or go ahead and have a heart attack and say, no, I'm just going to chill here, <laughs> you know, and just try to take care of this myself. I'll do my own surgery. Like, I think people are realizing you might need somebody to even be preventive in terms of your exactly. mental Exactly. So I'll call Tanita in a minute. heart attack, you know. Mm-hmm. I say I will call Tanita in a minute. That's my... My therapist. That's your therapist. Yes, Tanita. Yes, Tanita Teagle is her name. Wonderful. You know, so if you don't call Ife, y'all call Tanita. You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. So you have 14, 15 people working, Uh and you're working on black folks. What if, I mean, I know you have um, patient confidentiality, stuff like that. But it's generally, generally, what are some of the things that you're treating when it comes to black folks, like is it anxiety, depression, like Yeah. I mean I think there's I think there's just kind of your regular things. Like mm-hmm. I'm angry at work and my relationship is taxing. That those are like, you those know, is like classic things to come in for. Um, but you know, because I'm a clinical psychologist and the uh, co owner, Dr. Gwen Hayes, she's also a clinical psychologist. Oh, so you're a partner. We're both mm-hmm. oh, okay. So we both are um, uh, we're both clinical and forensic folks. We do get a lot of more severe people through the doors also too. So we have a lot of quote unquote regular folks, people we call the worried well. Right. Oh, okay. You're basically functioning, but you got a little something going on. Oh. We help you through, you know, those um, trials and tribulations that other people might have, but you need a little help kind of getting past it. And then we also see people who have a more severe um, 
issues as well, trauma or um, longstanding diagnoses, major mm-hmm. depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, those kinds of things, sometimes psychotic disorders. And we also do a lot of assessments. We do tons of psychological testing at I'm, the office. I'm kind of confused when you say forensics. Because when you say forensics, I think somebody got <laughs> shot and it's like... White, well, white chalk everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, in there, it's DNA. There's some. There's some of that. There's some of that. Forensic psychology is actually anytime the law, the the legal system is interacting with psychology. Okay. Right. Anytime oh, there's an interaction okay. there. So yes, it's true. People are like, so you've done. You've been sitting. You've been involved in profiling. I have. You know. I, um, Forensically, sex offenses is probably my, my, my specialty there. So I, I do a lot of evaluations for um, offenders, both accused and convicted. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do a good amount. We do a good amount of working with offenders, but also working with people who have been victimized um, by a crime. And even things like a custody evaluation, that is still forensic. It's still forensic. that's a legal um, assessment that is something that is still going to be processed by the court. So we do a fair amount of testimony. That's the only. That's the thing I think has been has been good about this quarantine is that I haven't been subpoenaed <laughs> to anything. Right? <laughs> I haven't been subpoenaed. I'm worried though that when it when it lifts, they're gonna be like, "You got to come to court every day." <laughs> you gotta come. We got like 55 cases. You just got to come on in. Well, I so. think it's like I just think that it's incredibly dope that a black woman found her purpose very very early. And has dedicated that purpose to helping other folks. What is your therapy? What do you do? Is there a hobby? Are there practices that you use from, um, you know, some of your banks that you just, you know, you know, for me, I just like to ride down and scream gospel music. That is not what I'm doing. <laughs> that sounds so holy and correct. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm and play some type of sport, but you know. <laughs> that has, right. So the crazy thing is, this is true for me and true for clients, is that currently kind of everybody's coming in with their other traumas, but they're also coming in with the two collective traumas we're all experiencing, our two pandemics that are running concurrently, right? right. And sy- systemic racism was already a pandemic, and then it occurred within, you know, COVID-19. Absolutely. So there's, there's that weight um, and this is the tricky part is is that normally when clients come to see me, they don't know if I've experienced what they've experienced. Exactly. You know, they don't know what my relationship history is. They don't know what my childhood history is. And so I can just that fourth wall is up and I can just kind of be present. This time though, when they're talking about financial strain and being home with the child, homeschooling, you know, I'm looking at them like, I feel you. You, feel- you know what I mean? <laughs> The fourth wall has definitely, you know, come down a little bit. So it's even more important, I think, for me to do those, those, you know, kind of my my makeshift rituals that I do. I do believe in therapists, um, having a therapist, but also I just have like some everyday things that I do. Don't laugh at me now, Mr. Sheffield. (laughs) I make sure that I laugh to tears at least once a day. Okay. I don't let 24 hours go by. It is such a cleansing. You know, it a good a hearty good laugh card. where you just hold your stomach and lean over and the tears and you catch just a cramp. roll. Yes. And you almost pee. And, and you just, just hold your chest like, oh my God, stop. You got to stop. You almost want, you want whatever it is almost to stop because you cannot just too catch much. your breath. Good that tickle. is so cleansing for me. I just feel reset. Right. I re- feel reset. My granny used to say, boy, that just tickled you, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> More than tickled. I, I mean, like, ha ha, screaming, laughing. Screaming, laughing. So, so laughing, mean, okay. I do things like that. I make sure that I am in community 
um, even okay. though this is virtual. So I try not to um, be too isolative. Isolative. I learned another out, word. <laughs> reach out <laughs> to people in my network who are um, either facing something similar or just willing to give you an ear. That's yeah. why it's important to have that. You know, when, when clients come in, I, I actually tell them from the beginning, I hope we have a great relationship, but I'm not meant to be in your life like this forever. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not meant, you're not meant to see Dr. Bell for the rest of your life. You're meant to get better. You're meant, right. You're meant to, to develop the skills and to develop a network so you can get whatever it is that you're getting in this room with me. And so I have to make sure I'm doing that too. Mm-hmm. I make sure that I have a support network that is available when I am processing something I see on the news, when I am afraid about whatever's happening, you know, with coronavirus out in the world, when I, you know, have just heard so many traumatic stories in a day and mm-hmm. feel like I might crumble under the weight of it. I make sure that I have someone, you know, or someone's um, a multitude of people that I can turn to. I also don't, I, I also keep boundaries around my time. So I don't wake up in the morning and get up, on, get on um, social media or anything like that. I don't turn on the TV. I don't do that first thing. Because the, especially in the last few months, right? It's I mean, tough. especially in the last few months, you ain't right gonna now. miss anything. At like all. people think they're gonna miss something. You are not going to miss anything. I don't do it in the morning, and I don't do it at night. Right? I have to. You know, I can't just good morning into Too, right. those kinds of things, and I can't go into my sleep. You know, doing that. And I'll admit, I did that at first. In March, I was obsessively looking this at this coronavirus. I was obsessively, Facebook. and then I, you know, I watched kind of. The, when when the when it was more rioting was being focused upon by the media, I won't say that rioting was happening more often. Than when the rioting was being focused, you know, um, right. or highlighted on the media, it was just it was almost obsessive. I was watching Chicago news, just watching that's where my family is from, you know, and just calling people and just kind of watching, you know, the city that I've known and 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 loved for so long just kind of burn to the ground and just that was that was another period of kind of obsessive. That wasn't healthy though. Right. You know what I mean? I just I, that wasn't a healthy thing to do. So now I'm trying to be better at setting up those boundaries. I'm also realistic with myself. People have to give themselves a break. Got to get you got you got to have a break. Come on. Like folks are in this quarantine like, "Okay, I'm going to build a new wing on No, my you're house. not. No. <laughs> I'm going to learn two languages. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Then I'm going to you, know, you can you just can you deal with the trauma of being in a pandemic? Can you just like can, can you, be, can you just take a minute <laughs> and breathe and be like Can you laugh and be in community? Right, can you laugh and be in community? We're not, you know, we're not on a sabbatical. We're not We're not on a sabbatical. We are we are <laughs> We've been quarantined because we're afraid people are gonna breathe on us. I mean, that's like a <laughs> you gotta stop for a second. You know, I mean you really do. Yeah. You really have to take a minute and say that's that's real. That's that real. I'm experiencing and that's real. And so if I don't lose 20 pounds in these weeks, it's gonna be just I fine. think you're okay. Now for people who are dedicated to putting some help, that's wonderful that makes too. Sense. If that's your thing. But to make yourself feel guilty about productivity it's, at a time where, where, quite frankly, and you know, I talked about this before. I feel busier. I don't know about it. Right. When people are like, well, now you have time. What? <laughs> I don't have time. A whole five-year-old is with me now we, 24 hours a day. We went from chilling on, like, mm-hmm. March 13th to 
I'm booked on Zoom every day. I am booked on Zoom <laughs> all day. I'm leaving Zooms to go to the Zooms. Uh, like, I'm sorry, I gotta get, I gotta get out. I gotta go to my other Zoom. I'm sorry, I gotta go. Leaving. Okay, I'm gonna go. <laughs> okay, just one more thing. I'm Don't so you sorry. share Put your screen with me? Put it in the chat. It's gonna, it's gonna record. Okay, I got it because I got it. It's another Zoom. I'm getting text messages about the Zoom. I'm not in. I gotta go. <laughs> <What is> <laughs> <laughs> you know, they'll text you. Are you coming? Right. So you're all over the place, and <laughs> but you know, at least you say you're dealing with it. You laugh. You're out with your community. I also go outside every day. Good. I go outside and walk several miles every day. Walk several Again, miles. Again, not because I'm pressuring myself to lose 100 pounds. I'm walking because I need to know that the earth the still, still is exists. spinning. <laughs> it's still going around the sun. I hope the that's the right is science. The still out. <laughs> you know? still out. Mm-hmm. So you care for people's mentality. You laugh. You have community. You have your own practice where you're dedicated to your purpose of healing folks. And I think that's absolutely amazing and dope. And that's why you're here. Now that's dope. What's the dopest? What's the dopest? What's the dopest according to you? What's the dopest? What's the dopest? What's the dopest according to you? All right, Dr. Bell, we have reached our segment of the show. It is called What's the Dopest? We know that you're dope. But we need to know if you know what's dope in these streets. Uh-oh. Yes. I'm old now. Come you on, old. No. No, Mr. Sheffield, I'm old. No, you can answer this question. I'm now. a Yankee and I'm old. I'm just throwing that out there. Before you start saying anything that is Southern and modern, I'm old and Northern. Old and Northern. <laughs> I ask about New York and Chicago in the 90s. I don't know. It. I want you to choose your answer very, very carefully on this question. What's the dopest? Chicago or Atlanta? Oh come on! <laughs> oh God! I'll just listen. That's so talk that's to the people. So difficult. Hey, well, what's the dopest? Let's talk about it. We, you know, we know Kanika's dope. <sighs> what's the dopest? This Chicago so or Atlanta? Difficult. You say your people were born in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, you've been here forever. Um, I've been here. You lived forever. through Freaknik. I did. I did. I still don't claim to be an Atlanta. I still oh, don't. What I a know. Minute. I know. It's, I know. It's so unfair. It's Where so you live unruly. at? Been here. I live right here in the Atlanta, Georgia. Georgia. Um, I can't say. I this, I love Atlanta. I wouldn't. I, I actually wouldn't move. I wouldn't move to Chicago from Atlanta. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can fix my mouth to say that it's doper. Oh. <laughs> I've been to Chicago. Possibly because Chicago gets such a bad rap. You know what I mean? It, especially at this point. You know, people are like, how can you go and visit family? Aren't you family being murdered? I'm always like, I've never been murdered. <laughs> I've never, I'm still I here. I've never been murdered in Chicago. Never. At Not a one time. So, I mean, but you, which one's dopest? You got to tell the people <sighs> something. You can't just, you can't stay in purgatory oh, with God. this. Okay, okay. You've been in Atlanta longer than you lived in Chicago. <laughs> Don't see how you're trying to look at <laughs> You're trying, to, you're trying to influence me. I am. The psychology. Know, Atlanta's so, like, new. You know, everything in Atlanta's so, like, shiny and new. You know what I mean? Like, Chicago still has that feel of, like, a real city. Let me tell you something. The best thing about... Like nobody drives hoopties here. But it's so shiny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, people just go outside looking like how they look. You know, we can just look regular. I mean, you, to go to TGI Fridays here, you got to have them, like, stilettos. You really do. Sequins, you know? I'm just... <laughs> And look at you know, look how I look. So you just not chick- my own eyelashes. I, you know, oh. I don't I don't look good in Atlanta. So I'm gonna have to go with Chicago because I think I'm cuter there. Because you're cuter. So you're going with Chicago because you <laughs> because you go. You know, like in one of my jokes, you go from like a, this. You go from a seven to a nine because what? of your afro. No, wait a minute now. Listen, <laughs> oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stay at my high number regardless. <laughs> of I'm, 
Listen, we, black women need to feel good about themselves Absolutely. at all times. Listen, I'm making a t-shirt that says black women so I'm fine. Awesome. Yes, right. black no women are so fine. No matter what it is. I don't care. No black I'm women, looking. let me sit, stop right here and say it. Y'all are just fine how God made you. I don't care if you're a size 32 or you're a size 2 or you're 8, whatever you are. Y'all are just Built perfectly. You just have to rock it, though. You got to rock you gotta it. You got to rock it with confidence. You got to be glad about who you are, how you've been made. Well, Dr. Bell has chosen Chicago I'm because so that's where she people. looks better. I just so, like Chicago it is. Chicago it is. Now, so won't you tell the <laughs> folks what's next? So what's next? What's next for, for you, for your everybody company, for everybody? Oh, for me. Oh. This is a great question because this, I'll be honest, this, this COVID-19 has shifted my business in a, in a very particular way, right? You know, we were a very hands-on, come on in. You know right. I mean? We're doing groups for teenagers. We're doing events. We're doing, I mean, you know, because again, we're a communal people. We right. gather. That's just how we do things. I'm working with so many clients who've buried people to COVID and other things over this time. We can't even funeral the way we funeral. We gather. We gather. You know what I mean? If we're in a good mood, we gather. When we celebrate, folks graduating, we're supposed to gather when we graduate. There's so a repass. Even, listen, and it's goals for days and days. And so <laughs> um, thinking about how to be available to heal people in this distance um, it's a little different. is just difficult. So that is what my colleagues and I are spending a lot of time talking about in terms of what's next. Because I think what we do know is it's not disappearing soon. Can't disappear. Um, and so in order to be responsible and safe, we have to operate um, a lot differently than we operated previously. So we are still doing telehealth sessions, but I'm trying to think of ways that are, I mean, quite frankly, more like rituals. I mean, you know, psychologists, we, don't, we wouldn't use that word, right. but that's what it is. That's what it is. Right? In, in you know, I'm part of an, an African-centered community, you know, in Zinga and Duga. We do ritual. Um, and so, and what that means is something you believe in, you know, and <laughs> right. something that you can, um, you can kind of put your energy into that you believe will be beneficial for you. So we're looking at how to do that. How do we connect even though we're looking at each other on Zoom? So it looks like you're just saying, you know, you, What's next is figuring out how to stay connected in a virtual space. Right. Yeah, and and still be us. You know, still yeah. still be therapeutic. Um, still have folks get it. But, you know, the, the reality is children with autism, very small children, you know, they, they don't relate. Um, right. You know, via to, Zoom that same way. They've got to be in. Uh, they've got to be in office. So we're very we're we're looking at how to very slowly and systematically come back in the office for that population. You know, for people who just absolutely must be in space. Yeah. You know, and I am therapist. absolutely sure that you will figure that out. We definitely appreciate it. Um, can you tell the people where you they can find you? You know, on the interwebs because we want everybody who listens to Everyday Dope. To stay great and remain inspired. Absolutely. So our uh, the name of the practice again is ATL Psychotherapy and Consulting Services. Uh, I am Dr. Kanika Bell, and the website is www.atlpsychology.com. Um, you can reach us on all of the social media platforms. Younger and, and trendier and more wonderful people than me manage those platforms. And so you can find us on all of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate you coming to Everyday Dope. And we will holler at you on the other side. Thank you for tuning in to Everyday Dope. We hope that you were inspired to live in your dopeness and celebrate the dopeness around you. I'm your host, Mr. Sheffield. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at My Everyday Dope. We love that you came to listen to us, and we will see you on the other side. Oh, yeah, it's a raffle with this one. Go, go, do what you're supposed to do. Get it, get it, get it, get it.